welcome to any guests who are joining us today. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. This is certainly a different Mother's Day, but we are so grateful for you, for your influence and your care in our lives. And we're praying that today the Lord would encourage you in this time. And so let's go to him in prayer. And then we're going to be led by Eric in worship. And then Pastor Keith is going to bring us today's word. And God, we bring with us the variety of our humanity, Lord, mothers and fathers, married and single, younger and older, Lord, our, our, our different needs that we are experiencing right now, but Lord, whatever we are walking through, we need a deep sense that we are called by you. We are called by you in this season, but even more importantly than that, that we are called to you. And so God, will we come to you today, right now, in worship, would we draw near to you in faith and encounter you, we ask in Jesus' name. set us free from our captivity your hand is strong to save you split the raging sea you crush our enemies your hand is strong to save the Lord our God is mighty in battle we are not afraid his hand upholds us through our trials. Our God is strong to save. Strong to save. Here in this desert place. Here in this desert place. We're carried by your grace. Your hand is strong to save. When in the promised land, we'll see your perfect plan, cause your hand is strong to save. The Lord our God is mighty in battle, we are not afraid. His hand upholds us through our trials, our God is strong to save.
before we sing this next song, just wanted to share a scripture with us in just a moment. But we've been listening on Sunday mornings and hearing about this exile that God's people were in and trying to, to see how that's kind of um, been something that we can benefit from as we're listening to God's word. Uh, the, the, God's people are looking for a savior. They were waiting for this savior to come. And we as Christians in Christ, we, we know that that savior did come and he has come and he has risen from the dead and he has, in a very real sense, saved us. But there's also, as we'll see in this passage, there's also a waiting that we're continuing to do. We're still waiting for salvation in a very real sense. And so let's listen to this passage in, in Titus chapter 2. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That has happened. That's been done. And it, this grace has been training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we're here in this present age, there's, there's still living, there's still training, there's still waiting that we're doing, that we, that we need to be doing, and that we're, we, do, we can do together right now, this, this morning, as we're listening to and participating in song. And so we're going to sing a song that helps us to to pray to the Lord for deliverance, for him to come and finally save us and bring us to himself in, in eternity. So let's sing this song and ask him to be our God, ask him to be our redeemer. Ask him to deliver us from all this waiting and this, this present struggle that we're in. So sing this. Deliver us from evil, Lord. We sojourn in a broken world. Though evil hands give rise to war, remind us this is not our home. We look to you, we look to you, sovereign king of all the earth. We look to you, we look to you, in your strength we will
and all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you. Shout your praise. bones will sing great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you on what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and divine can sing all is mine yet not i but through christ in me Choice for 
sure the price has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my to this I hold to this I hold my sin has been defeated Jesus now and ever is my plea oh the chains are released I can sing I am free yet not I but through Christ in me when the race is complete when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Well, good morning, Lakeview family, and specifically good morning to our moms who are with us today. It's an unusual Mother's Day, but every day seems unusual, doesn't it? To be celebrating and not to have so many of you here among us that we could applaud, appreciate, and celebrate the unique ways that our lives are so affected by you and blessed by you. So instead of being able to give you a gift this morning or 
are to gather you for a special time of prayer. Uh, I want to share a, a poem that I, I've written for you this morning and, and take some time to pray for you. Uh, I think I'd like to speak to everybody else, though, who's not a mom at this moment first. And because the perspective of this poem is the perspective of an older guy who it took a lot of years to figure out what did it look like to appreciate the unique role a mom seeks to play in your life? And what I want to encourage you, whether you're 10 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old, whatever age you are, try to see if you can't take so long to figure out the unique blessing that your mom is to you in your life. So having, having watched and tried to understand my own mom, but then having front row seats to the greatest mom I know at home who has raised my children. Um, I want to dedicate this to you moms, and I want it to help us to honor you in our hearts much more frequently. So the title of this poem is, You're the Best. I wish that you could settle for once and for all time. This place you hold inside us who think of mothers, mine. A one and only person who can never be replaced, who lived for us and loved us through all that we have faced. It was you from the beginning who gave us our first start. We wish we could convince you of your place within our heart. But life can seem relentless and we struggle with our flesh to live our lives toward you in ways that speak you're the best. Today there's a pandemic, but that won't break your stride. You'll turn our homes to classrooms and love will still abide. We'll live with much or little, maybe need financial aid, when life presented lemons, you just made lemonade. A thousand special memories of days that have gone by. Some include our anger of that we cannot lie. We've done life in the trenches when we were at our worst. We wish that it was clearer how you've remained the first. A place within our hearts and lives that no one can replace. For few will ever love us with such mercy and such grace. One day when we are older and doing our life too, we'll look back and we'll wonder how you ever made it through. We'll realize building families is such a work of art, but we won't know how hard until we go to make a start. Then, we will join the battle of building families blessed. And then we'll stand and wonder how you made it through this mess. At 40 or maybe 50, we'll suddenly come up for air and realize the life you lived that always had you there. Relentless love pursued us and took no days of rest. We'll wish we had a do-over to say often, you're the best. So let's pray for our moms. If you're there with your mom at home, just gather around her and 
your hands on her and let's just ask God's rich grace and blessing on their lives. Lord, a lot of talk of heroes today. God, we are blessed to think of people who are serving our country, serving people that we know in heroic ways. But Lord, through the little and the great, through the slow and the fast, through good times and through sadness, through it all, Lord, these moms have been a grace in our lives like no other. God, you have reserved a way to bring to us care, encouragement, strength, correction, boundaries, faith, a revelation of you. Lord, our list could go on and on and on of ways in which our lives have been deeply affected through our moms. So Father, we stand before you, we stand with them to make known how grateful we are not just on Mother's Day, but God, every day, how grateful we are. God, help us. Lord, help us in this day, but help us in the years to come to notice, Lord, to notice that these women in our lives are among the very best of the people that we've ever been around what they have done and who they have been in our lives cannot be duplicated by anyone. And we would not be the same without their care, without their love, without their prayers, without their sacrifice on our behalf. So Lord, would you help our moms to know that in our hearts, lives a deep gratitude and appreciation, no matter how poor we are at expressing it. Our hearts, every day, find so many opportunities to say, you are the best. And I thank God for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we love you, ladies. Look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Keith. We are looking forward to seeing many of you soon. We are anticipating that starting next Sunday, we'll be able to have some Sunday services again. We are really excited about that, but also preparing that, that those are not going to be uh, quite like our typical Sunday service experience, right? The, the worship will be the same. God's word will be preached. We'll get to see one another's faces, but, but there's some important details to be paying attention to, and we'll send out more information as more of this becomes clear. But we're, we're planning on doing a 9 a.m., and an 11 a.m. service. So two services, um, that's to meet the requirements of the, of the state where we're only to have 25% capacity 
in the building. We've, we've got things arranged very differently in here, getting prepared for that. And so we have uh, at least six feet uh, spacing in between rows and chairs that have been removed. And here, here's the neat thing that you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to sign up uh, for which service that you're going to want to attend. And just like you're going to uh, a movie theater, you get to pick the seating that your family unit is going to sit in so that we can keep family units together and then ha have uh, others at a little bit of, of a distance. And so we're just seeking to be wise and honor the, the guidelines that our, our, our government is providing as we're preparing to, to be back together again. Uh, we are asking for everybody to wear a face mask uh, to follow those guidelines as well. And, and the state recommends that those who are over 65 or those that have uh, immune-compromised conditions to, to stay home. And uh, we won't feel anybody to be released. That If you're just not comfortable in this season coming back yet for a gathering, we're going to continue to do our live stream. It'll actually be live uh, starting uh, next Sunday. And so that'll continue to be available for anyone who can't be a part of these gatherings. And, and we're not going to have uh, LCC kids as well. And so we'll continue to provide video content for the children uh, that's available on YouTube and through the LCC app. Uh, if you're able to bring your kids with you, though, they, they can sit with you uh, during the service if you'd like to, to do that. So uh, we are so looking forward to uh, getting to see some of your faces uh, starting up again next Sunday and just trusting God uh, week by week as he is leading us to, to begin to, to gather w once again in person. And uh, if you didn't follow any of those details, we'll, we'll still be sending out um, reminders about that this week and, and a little bit more in, in terms of instructions to how to approach uh, this coming weekend. Well, as we give uh, this morning, I think about Ephesians 2.20 which teaches that, that we are God's workmanship and that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them. And, that, and that's good news. It's good news for, for, for mothers. It's good news for anything that God has called us to do that you know, right now in these days, there is good that we can be pursuing, that, that God's already ordained He's already empowered. Christ has already purchased. And that includes our, our giving as well. There, there are steps for good that we can take that God has provided for us. And, and, and we're witnessing the testimony of that as you've continued to give faithfully. Of, of how Christ has won your heart and God's grace has empowered you to be sacrificial even in these times. Again, there are several ways that you can be giving through uh, the website or the app, through bill pay or through mailing a check or through uh, coming back uh, next weekend when we'll be able to be together. Oh God, we thank you for the good that you have been doing in us in this time. Lord, we know we are not out of the strange season that we are in yet, although we can feel the return coming our way. Lord, we, we are so grateful for how you have been good to us and how you have enabled us to do good as well. You've enabled us to serve, to serve our families, to serve our community, and to give toward your kingdom. Lord, we are grateful for you. Would you receive much honor from us? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
I got to say, I'm looking forward to having your families back among us. I was going to say seeing your faces, but actually next week you'll look like this to me. You know, we'll kind of see each other's, we'll see eye to eye, but that's about it. Not going to actually get a chance to see all your faces because we'll be looking like we're here to rob something or do something, wear a mask. But uh, hey, listen, we totally understand this has been an unusual time. So uh, next week, there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to be eager to be together and they're going to run towards that opportunity. And, and, and again, we've got a lot of space in the building here that's, that's just for us to keep distance that's here. And, and lots of folks are going to feel comfortable with that. And there's going to be another set of folks who just aren't comfortable with that yet. Um, you just need to follow your own conscience and be led by the Lord. And, and we're going we're gonna to provide opportunity for you to be with us. And we're going to provide for you opportunity to not be with us. Uh, we'll, we'll do two live streams next week. So you can tune in at nine. You can tune in at 11 if you're, if you're not going to be here. If you, if you come in as part of a family and some of you guys are staying home and other ones are coming, hey, whatever works for you, we're just going to entrust that for the Lord to lead you through that time. But however we get a chance to see you next week, we are so looking forward to that. All right, well, this morning, if you want to break open your Bible to Daniel chapter 9, I'll explain to you how we're going to be in that setting this week. But um, this is a clash of moments for me as, as somebody who's trying to pay attention to how the Bible specifically addresses our moments, right? And that's what we've been doing through this little series that we titled The COVID Chronicles, traveling through moments of life like this and seeing how the Bible addresses those places. But here's what I'm aware of today. There's a clash of moments taking place that's gonna be relevant to this passage we're gonna look at. I don't know if you knew this, but Thursday was a national day of prayer, something that I think got started in the 1700s that's continued to today. And Thursday was that day where we turned to God out of our moment of need as a country. I hope you participated in that. Um, Today is Mother's Day. So there's another unique moment on the calendar. And then this Friday, we're anticipating uh, that the governor is going to be opening up the state again to the economy and to going back to something that's closer to normal. It's not fully there yet. So, so there's a bit of a return happening on Friday. And it's interesting as we kind of study through the exile period, there, there, were, there were segments of returns for them as well. And so there's going to be some similarities for us to learn some things from them. So that's one clash of moments that's among us. The other is, is just my awareness, and I, I want you to be aware, I'm going to try and be careful as I walk through this passage and share some thoughts with us. Um, all right, so our audience today, uh, our audience are, are people who have put their faith, their hope, and their trust in Jesus Christ and are seeking to follow him, no matter what life is going to be like, no matter what age we are, no matter what's going on in our world, we're, we're just seeking to follow Christ. That's, that's how we believe we're to live life. Uh, then there are moms in our audience, uh, moms who have a, a special role among us and who are affecting our lives so deeply. I want this message to affect our moms. But I'm also aware that, that uh, from some of what you have shared with me, there are a number of you who are not part of Lakeview and you've just been tuning in from even different parts of the country as well as just friends who have turned you on to the broadcast and you can't go to your normal church so you've been attending with us. Uh, I'm, a, I'm aware that some 
of you are just kind of curious about what God has to say about life and how to live it and what's the Bible really teach. So I want to try and speak to all those audiences. I want to try and speak to all those moments as we jump into this passage. Uh, Do my best to be as concise as possible in that. All right, so we've been traveling through this period in the Bible called the exile. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's one of the least read and studied sections of scripture by the average person who reads the Bible. So I'm not going to overlook some things that we might need to pay attention to, right? Uh, So uh, I want, I want you to see this little graphic here. If you're trying to understand at what point in history does this take place? Well, this graphic will help you. I'm not going to unpack it, uh, but, but you'll see that, that that centerpiece of this longer time fair period is the 70 years that we talked about last week where God's people have their lives severely disrupted. They live in a place called the promised land, this unique geographical location that God had given to his people, full of good things that God wanted to bless them with. But then God chooses a time frame in which he says, you know, I'm going to disrupt your normal life because some things need to get reset in your world. And and that's a big thought. I don't know if you've thought about that. Did you know that there is the God of the Bible He is so much wanting things for our lives that he's willing to disrupt the normal in order for us to have his plan in our lives. And that's what we're encountering here in this story of the exile, that God's going to step in and say, it'd be better if you guys were dislocated in a foreign land under somebody else's rule and under the difficulties that are there than for you to stay and keep doing what you're doing. So in this new land, we're going to hear from voices like Ezekiel. Now, we're not going to study Ezekiel, but, but Daniel today, we're going to hear from him. They go on location with God's people. So they end up in this new land, ministering to God's people and sharing God's word with them. Daniel's going to live almost his whole life in Babylon. He's going to be a young man who gets exported to Babylon, and he's going to live to be an old man in those 70 years before the return takes place. Other prophets spoke back to the people who were back in Jerusalem, the few that got left there. But Daniel's on site. And here's why I love this passage. If you're looking in Daniel, it's Daniel chapter 9. And how this moment is so relevant to where we are right now. You're going to see in just a moment as we read this passage, Daniel becomes aware that the 70 years is about to end. And so they're about to return, if you will, to normal. They're about to go back to the normal plan that God had for them. And and that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That, That kind of sounds about where we are. It feels like we are beginning to talk about how do we go back to normal? And, and I, don't, I don't want this just to live in the COVID moment for us. And I don't want it just to live in uh, the century in which Daniel is speaking. You know, at any moment, you and I can be in a place, moms can be in a place like this. We can find ourselves in a place where we just feel dislocated. You know, we feel like normal's gotten disrupted. We're off in a faraway place. And we're trying to figure out how, how do we return? How do we get back to the place? Maybe that's what your walk with God has felt like for some reason. Maybe nothing to do with COVID. Maybe just for the last couple of years, just, you just feel like things have gotten derailed and you're off in a, and you're just not in a good place with God. But what if God is, is seeking to restore you, seeking to bring you back, seeking a return? 
What are some things that we can learn from this moment and watching how Daniel responds to this moment in his life? Well, there's a lot of great stuff here. Let's, let's read a few passages here. We won't do the whole chapter, but Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants the prophets. Let's just pray for a moment before we get a little farther into this passage. Well, these are words from a different place and a different time, but lots of similarities here for us. And lots of things about you to have our eyes open to. Lord, that is the great need that we have in this hour. God, help us to see you more accurately in this unique place that we find ourselves. And Lord, help your word to be perceived by us the way Daniel perceived as he read. Lord, help us to perceive as well now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let me remind us of something. Daniel is, is a guy with an individual story, right? Daniel's got relatives, he's got people, he's got business, he's got a calendar, he's you know, got his iPhone, etc. He's doing life, and suddenly an, another agenda invades his world, and, and God decides the people that you're a part of are going to be picked up and relocated a thousand miles away and live in another place called Babylon. And, and, and actually, Daniel, that's going to be where you're going to do most of your life, under the rule of another in a foreign land, in a dark place where people don't honor God, and, and you're going to do your life there. Right? Now, now remember... Daniel's living his life under the umbrella of some other realities. And that's going to be true for other Bible characters, right? I mean, you got guys like David. King David comes on the scene when God's doing something. And in his day, God is conquering kingdoms and causing all of the enemies around this land to be subjugated to David so that David can clear the land and they can live in that land prosperously. And David gets to be the reigning king who's got one victory after another. And so when he's coming back to Jerusalem, there's celebrations and victory parties. That's the life David gets to live. But that's not the life Daniel gets to live. And yet both of them are living their story within God's story. So you and I have lived in an unusual moment. And, and it helps us to realize this isn't just a happenstance moment. You and I are living our life in a location in a time with particular people in our lives because our story is part of a bigger story. And Daniel's life was part of a bigger story. Now, if you, if you go back and you read the book of Daniel, fascinating book, 
Even though Daniel was a foreigner in the land of Babylon, Daniel was a very successful man. Matter of fact, the Bible speaks about him using terms like prosperous, distinguished. There were three political leaders over all the land. Daniel was one of them. He had a high-ranking position. He stood out as the chief among the three. So there's some uniqueness to Daniel's life that he lives in a land that's, that's really not the ideal location. But for him, wow, this turned out pretty well. And then God comes along and says, okay, time to go back. For Daniel, time to go back to a place where you've probably got nothing back there. And so God sometimes is disrupting the things that become familiar to us. What we learn from Daniel as we watch him live his story within God's bigger story? Well, some great insights here from his life to help us live our lives, right? So chapter, uh, verse 2, Daniel highlights, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, right? So what, what is that? verse just letting us stumble into here. Well, something really, really simple. Daniel's a man who reads his Bible. That's what he was doing. He was, he was reading his Bible. And you know that, this is what the Bible does for us. It, it sets us on a collision course. It takes our life that's under the umbrella of God's bigger life story and it brings that near to us so that we can understand what's my story within God's story. And that's exactly what happens for Daniel. I don't know if this moment Daniel just happened to be picking up the next uh, reading in his devotional pattern was to read this passage in Jeremiah. He's probably reading Jeremiah 25 or Jeremiah 29 maybe, and he picks up on these 70 years. Or did he go to Jeremiah because there had been a government change and Babylon got overthrown by another empire called the Persians who now have come in and they've set up their kings and they're changing the rules. And Daniel's wondering, what does this mean? And so he goes to the Bible to figure out what life means. Uh, listen, I just love that as a pattern. I'm not gonna camp out there on that point, but I love that as a pattern. Daniel figures out his own story by staring into God's story. That's a powerful and important thing for any of us to learn to do. And, and he notices this. He notices that this book is relevant to the times in which he was living. And that's true for us too. This book is relevant to the times in which you and I are living, to the seasons that we travel through in our lives. Listen, the Bible speaks in this moment for Daniel, with a precision of the prophetic, right? Prophetically, God is actually putting his finger on this exact time moment. But there's lots of places in the Bible where God's speaking in principle to our lives. God has laid out principles about how life is and, and, and why it is the way it is and how we live in response to who God is and who we are and who others are. And we can encounter that in a powerful way. This this encounter with the Bible is going to shape Daniel's life. The New Testament speaks about this Bible this way, and I hope this arouses your curiosity, if you're not much of a Bible reader, to realize this book is like no other book. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces inside of us. And it goes between the joints and the marrow into the soul and the spirit. And it, and it 
reveals, it touches, it judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart of man. So, so this book, we need this book, right? This book needs to speak to us. I appreciate Daniel modeling for us, a man who's doing life in his own COVID moment, exile, but he sees this is what God's about to do, and that's awakening something in his soul. Then in verse three, he says, then, right, I see something, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer. Uh, Let me just say this. Daniel didn't have one gear in his following God. You know what I mean by that? Some of us just live our lives relating to God at the same speed, in the same way, the same patterns. Uh, we We don't have a second gear or a third gear, right? We just kind of have this casual... God kind of every once in a while interacts with us. You know, you know, maybe you're one of those people that your, your only gear is to show up for church on Christmas and Easter. Kind of that's my gear, you know. And, and I kind of have a bump, a bump in the God there, but I never shift into second gear or third gear. Uh, can I tell you there are second gears and third gears in walking with God? Now, we have these moments where we encounter something from God and, and, and then Daniel takes it to the next level. He sees something, doesn't just close the book and go, hmm got a lot to do today. No, no, he then turns to God in prayer. So there's another gear in which we say, God, I, I think I see something you're doing in my life. Let me draw near and let that get enlarged in my heart. And that's what he does. Appreciate John Piper highlights a story about George Mueller, who was a, a great godly man who cared for thousands of orphans in Germany. And George Mueller said this, he George Mueller said that for years he tried to pray without starting in the Bible in the morning. And inevitably, his mind just wandered. Then he started with the book and turned the book into prayer as he read. And for 40 years, he was able to stay focused and powerful in prayer. Piper says, Daniel's prayer begins with the Bible and it is saturated with the Bible Phrase after phrase comes right out of the scriptures. So I know many of us find prayer to be one of the hardest things that we ever do. Daniel is one of my heroes of the prayer closet as I observe his life. And I, and I learn from watching this pattern. He didn't just crawl into a prayer closet with nothing. You know, can I just do my best job to remember a few things and call them to mind, pray about that. And, you know, I find when I do that, I end up with the same laundry list that I just kind of wear a rut in the same four or five areas over and over again. What a great insight from Daniel's life. Get into your prayer closet with the Bible. Let the Bible guide you into places that awaken prayer in you and begin another gear with God and seek him in those categories, right? All right, so notice one more thing before we move to verse four. That God is awakening an intercessor in this strategic moment. Now, I want this to go out particularly to those of us who have a sense that, that prayer is an important thing for the body of Christ. And maybe you're part of our prayer ministry. I hope this awakens in you something here, right? God is about to do something massive. This 70-year period is gonna end and God is gonna relocate his people and start the next chapter in their lives. He's gonna restore them, gonna rebuild the temple and rebuild their lives. That's what's next on God's plan. But God doesn't start that without prayer coming up to him and seeking it. And so there's no accident here that that Daniel just happens to all of a sudden have these prayers awakened in his heart. 
No, no, no. God is about to do something, so therefore God is seeking intercessors who are going to call out to him and ask him for this very thing. And that's what happens to Daniel. He has his heart awakened in this moment. Now listen, don't rush by this. Let me pull this into my multiple audience here that's, that's watching us today. Let me just speak to moms for a moment. Moms, you may be playing a role in the future of your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives, in which you're going to just be reading your Bible one day. And I know as a mom, you're always carrying your kids in your heart. So they're never far from you. And you're reading something and you see something that God opens your heart to. And you begin to see something about the future of your children. And, and you begin to intercede for that. You begin to cry out to God for that. Maybe, maybe you're seeing, like, like Daniel saw, you're seeing the level of waywardness that's taking place in this moment. I, I love how Daniel interrupts the waywardness of these people and prays a prayer like there's, they actually have a future, even though they've given no cause for Daniel to believe that God's ever going to be okay with these guys. I mean, when you look at what he says about them, it's, it's pretty difficult to listen to. But yet Daniel sees something in God that says, you know, no, no matter how wayward we have been, no matter what a mess we have created, no matter how off track we are, no matter how much we haven't listened and blown you off, done our own thing, yet God, would you? And he begins to intercede for God to break into this moment. Can I just encourage you moms? I think when we get to heaven, we are going to be amazed at how many of our lives became what they became. God broke into them. God disrupted something really bad that was about to happen. God provided grace for a future in some of our lives out of the prayers of moms who had the courage and the insight from the word of God to pray for us in particular ways. So moms, ah, do not overlook your own Daniel moments that you have in shaping the future of the lives of those that God has put in your life. Look at verse four. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. All right, and so it's interesting to take apart Daniel's prayer here. Where is he going to go? What's he going to pray in this moment? Right, He gets a revelation. What do you, what do you jump into? What's your script going to look like in this moment? And, and I got to say this. Here's a man in exile who's going to pray from a posture of being in exile. And, and we've been in our own exile through this COVID season. And um, I think maybe you'd identify with this. I know for me, and I've found this with others that I'm interacting with, uh, prayer in this season is hard. There's something about being outside your routines, being in a setting where, there, where everything is in need, right? I mean, we usually have a list of needs that are in our daily lives, but right now it feels like everything is in need. Where, where do I even start with this? There's local needs, there's relational needs, there's global needs. And then we're in this unfamiliar place and we don't know what's next. There's no script for how we're doing our lives. It's, kind of, it's just hard to pray. So it makes me curious, though, about you. And this is a good question for you to just check your own soul. What's being awakened in you right now in this unique time frame that you are praying about? What's the Holy Spirit bringing? What's he giving you eyes to see from the Word? What of the circumstances of our lives exist right now that, that we are taking that into prayer in our souls? What kind of prayers are you praying? What, what do you sound like when you pray? What are you asking God for? Listen, 
I believe like in Daniel's day, exile moments are strategic moments. God is doing some strategic things right now in our midst. And I think that needs to inform our praying. I want to give you a thought from a recent book that I just picked up. My fellow named John Smed. Uh, the title caught my attention. It was recommended by someone I knew and said, the title is Prayer Revolution, Rebuilding Church and City Through Prayer. So I love the title, got me curious. Here's a thought that he brings up in the book. He says, are you praying constricted prayers or disruptive ones? Most prayers are constricted ones. The prayers that only focus on the part of the Lord's prayer says, you know, give us our daily bread. They're usually focused on self and envision God as a heavenly caretaker. And listen, a lot of our daily routines are so disruptive right now that, that no fault in saying, God, give us our daily bread. We have needs. And, and Jesus prayed that, so you shouldn't feel ashamed for praying that. But there's more to prayer, right? I appreciate him bringing this up. Disruptive prayers, on the other hand, are powerful, uncommon, and deeply biblical. They focus on God rather than self. They seek to advance the kingdom and submit all things to God. They are also prayed with a profound belief that prayer actually accomplishes something. Right? I love that. That's Daniel. Daniel is going to pray a disruptive prayer. He's going to pray that God would disrupt and advance his cause amongst the people that have gone wayward, that have shown no interest in continuing with God's purpose. Their hearts have been in a bad place, leading them into exile. Yet he, he has a heart to believe God can disrupt that. God can displace that. God can yet again turn the affections in the hearts of people back to him. And so he starts to pray that way. So listen, lots of us know people who, oh, Lord, we just know they, they need to have their lives disrupted right now. And the kingdom of God needs to come in a powerful, powerful way. But, but just a good self-examination question. Again, I know there's a lot of folks out maybe watching, who are in different places. I can think from my own life, there was a time in which God was in my world, in my life at a very limited level, and I was vaguely curious about him. And in that season, I can't remember ever praying prayers that were consumed with the kingdom of God coming to earth, the things that God wanted in this world taking place, for the purposes of God to advance into parts of the world and for people to be affected by God and to come to know him. Right? I mean, none of that maybe can affect my life tomorrow, but these are things God wanted. Listen, I can remember almost never praying prayers like that. Of course, that just informs me about where I am with God. Daniel walks with God. He's a man who sees the agenda of God and it matters to him. And he's praying out of that God do this because this is what's next in your purpose. And I want that. I want that in my heart and in my life. Listen, there's a, there's a purpose. Remember, ours is a story within a story. So you and I are traveling through life, and we get married, add a couple of kids, do a job, etc. But we're a story within a story. And this big story finds its explanation and understanding in places like, like John chapter 3, verse 16, that everybody knows, even if you haven't read the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his own son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. 
that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when I go to pray, am I aware that there's a God in the universe who wants people to be saved? Well, what does that even mean? Well, when the Bible unpacks that word and explains it to us, we get 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think about Paul telling the Corinthians in the first century that, that in Christ, here's his explanation. He says, in Christ, in this sending of the Son, God was reconciling the world to himself. And then Paul tells the church, and he's given you this ministry of reconciliation. In other words, go into all the world and tell people there's a God who wants things to be right between you and him. He wants to welcome you back into relationship with him. And he sent his son to break down the barrier, to pay the price that's between you and him so that you could be reconciled to God. Let me just ask you, are you praying prayers like that right now? You're praying that in this moment, with all that's being disrupted in our lives and all the ways that we've been exiled from the land of normal, are we praying prayers that are about God's big purpose that never stops? Listen, with or without COVID, that purpose stays exactly the same. God has sent his son into this world and given us the ministry to announce there's a means for us to be restored to God. And there's nothing more important than that in all of our lives. Listen, for, for Daniel, that was first order of business, right? He sees this, now, now realize, Daniel's a successful man. Daniel's got a lot of stuff going on. So, but, but his first order of business isn't, ooh, any day now we could be returning. I need to get my real estate agent on the phone and, and sell some of this property before uh, the property values go down. I, I should probably call, I'm, I'm old now, I should probably call my financial advisor talk to them about my retirement plan and what to do with that. Uh, I, I definitely need to talk to my office administrator about my consulting business. That's not at the top of his list. At the top of his list was to see that God was doing something and to begin to pray and engage that moment in prayer. So notice this one, a couple of just insights from this passage. Daniel sees the purpose of God in scripture and it it awakens asking, not assuming. Isn't that interesting? He's, he just read that God plans for this to be a 70-year limit, and then the desolations of Jerusalem are over, and there's going to be this return. You would think, the way some of us think, is, well, then, all right, I guess that's a, what's going to happen next. We'll wait and see. But that's not what Daniel does. When he sees this in Scripture, it awakens asking. It doesn't awaken assuming. Like, oh, okay, well, whenever you get around to that, God, I guess you'll get around to it. Because you're going to do whatever you're going to do, right? I mean, you're God. That's how you operate. No, no, it awakens in him. And asking, he begins to call out to God that the future would take place. That's what God intended prayer to be. That's what God intended intercession to be. Please, don't adopt an unbiblical idea because we... We reason our way into this corner. God knows everything, and God has all power, and God's going to do what God's going to do. So therefore what? So why should we pray? Okay, the Bible never explained prayer that way, ever. This guy, Daniel, is modeling prayer for us. When we see something that God wants in the Bible, that awakens in us praying. It doesn't put us to sleep. It awakens that in us. But let me, let me highlight something that's here. Daniel 
has a, an ability to see a couple of things in this moment that need to inform every moment of our lives, but especially moments when we're trying to kind of get our lives back on track with God. We're trying to return from wherever it is that we've been, uh, and we're trying to understand how, how to re-engage this place, how to be in a place that's a sweet spot with God. Well, notice what he brings into this prayer right away in verse four and in verse five. This is some powerful stuff. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, oh, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. This is what I know about you, God. You are the God. You're great and you're awesome. So there's no limitations going on here. And you are the God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And look at the next thing he says. We, right, huh? that's you, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commands and rules. And he's going to go on for the next several verses and just tweak that out and talk about it over and over again in a variety of ways. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name. To you, God, verse 7, he says, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. I mean, he's just going to live in this moment where he's going to talk about, here's what we're like, and here's what you're like. Can I just tell you, you, you won't walk with God well if you don't do both of those things. And you won't return well if you don't do both of those things. Right? There is two things happening here, and it's in Daniel in such a natural way. Oh, I pray that God help this be in us in such a natural way. So in this moment, when he goes to engage God's purpose, he brings covenant and confession right together in his prayer time. These things both make sense. Because covenant is describing what God is like, the covenant-keeping God. And there's a lot of language here. that we, I can't unpack it all, but we'll brush by it. But he makes confession as well. He brings some really bad news about the way in which people have chose to live their lives, the conditions that they find themselves in. I think confession might need to find its way back into our reality in some ways uh, because it... it it doesn't feel real good for some, but there, there's no feel here. This, is, this man steps into confession because he values it. Listen to this thought. Dale Ralph Davis is a commentator on the book of Daniel. He says, one of the primary marks of a Christian is that he or she continually mourns over his or her sins. Herman Veldkamp puts it well. He says, what distinguishes us from the world is not that we are less wicked, but that by the grace of God, we have learned to see our wickedness for what it is and that we confess our sins. You know, when, when you are in a healthy way, and there is a healthy way, in a healthy way, self-aware, it will change the way you relate to other people. It will change the way you sound. I feel like for some people who are just kind of curiously tuning into this right here, um, I almost feel like I need to apologize to you for the moments where you have gotten around 
what feels like self-righteous Christians who their posture one after another comment is, is to point out everybody else's issues, everybody else's issues, everybody else's issues. And let me be careful here. There is a God who is a certain way and he's created moral boundaries for our existence. So if you find yourself outside of God's boundaries, uh, you have an issue between you and God, right? Whether anybody ever says it to you or not, God has boundaries. But for a fellow human being who, like myself, finds myself outside of those boundaries quite often in all kinds of categories, for me to look down my nose at you or to find your behavior irritating and uh, making me want to just blow you up is, is for me to be out of touch with myself. I'm very in touch with you, very out of touch with me. And I appreciate Daniel steps into this moment with that word in the beginning of verse five. He says, we have sinned. We, me too, have sinned. So I think the church needs to find its way back to humble confession This fellow goes on and says, the church is the only body on earth that confesses sin. Where the confession of sin dies out, the church is no longer church. Dale Ralph Davis says, you may think Veldkamp hyperbolic, but he's right. The Rotary Club does not engage in confession of sin. The city council doesn't do it. The United Nations don't confess its sins, nor do senates and parliaments. Only the church, when it's really Church, right? National Day of Prayer, Thursday. What did that sound like? What did it sound like for the church? What did it sound like Daniel who stood before God with a sense of we, we, and called out and asked God in spite of us to be who he is with self-awareness and God-awareness active in both of those moments. Appreciate Daniel's humility. Can we, let, me, let me offer a a quick encouragement to to moms in this category. This may not feel encouraging, but it is encouraging. It's helpful. Uh, I I can say this as a father. When I'm interacting with my kids and their sin, I I don't ever want to interact with their sin without being mindful of my own, both current and past. Because hopefully by now I've learned some things that I, I don't do life the way I did when I was in my teens or in my 20s. Because God has been at work for so many years that that no longer makes sense for me to choose to do those things anymore. But back then it did. And I fell for it. And I pursued things. And I was off the beaten path and wayward and in the wrong place, all kinds of ways. So when I go to interact with my own kids who are traveling through that season, do do they get from me a humility as I engage them? Or do they, they just get outraged? I can't believe. Moms. As you engage your kids and you lead them through doing life, be, be careful that you are aware and you are humbled. And that's going to come from honest standing in the presence of God. Honest awareness. Now, maybe that's uncomfortable, but it's biblical and it's very necessary. Right? Confession is the acknowledgement of how we as human beings have become out of step with God and his purposes, right? Not with church traditions, not with the way you were raised. It's about how I've become out of step with God and his purposes, right? John Piper 
preaching from this passage said, about 12 verses of Daniel's prayer is confession, verses 4 through 15, right? Daniel's prayer, that makes up 75% of Daniel's prayer in this chapter is confession. This means being truthful about God and about sin. It means recognizing sin as sin and calling it bad names. I love that phrase. Not soft names. Things like wickedness and rebellion and wrong and treachery, and shameful, and disobedience. It means recognizing God as righteous, and great, and fearful, and merciful, and forgiving. It means feeling broken, and remorseful, and guilty before God. Before God, he says. There's a difference between feeling miserable because sin has made our life miserable, and feeling broken because our sin has offended the holiness of God, and brought reproach on his name. Daniel's confession, biblical confession, is God-centered. The issue is not admitting that we have made our life miserable. The issue is admitting that there is something much worse than our misery, namely the offended holiness and glory of God. Listen, in the Christian world, in the Bible, confession is, is normal and it's common and it's healthy. Somewhere in the last century, amongst the, the movement toward positivity, again, this has not always been a movement in, on earth, but it has been in the last 100 years or 75 years, this positivity element makes us shop for things that feel positive. And so we take confession that doesn't feel positive and we label it negative. Listen, the Bible knows no such label for confession. The Bible never apologizes for making you feel bad. Because it's that feeling that makes me run to God and who he is. But one of the greatest things I'm ever going to do is to flee me. But if I'm kind of in love with me and I think I'm pretty good and my self-esteem is jazzed and I'm, I'm doing all right and I'm cool with me, well, a couple of bumps here and there. I'm not, I'm not perfect, of course. But I'm all right with me. I don't flee me. I run to me. I become my resource. I become the one who makes it right. I don't ever abandon myself or declare bankruptcy or shipwreck. Yet God wants me to run to him as my answer. And, and, and I might need to abandon me, which means I might need to actually be a little bit self-aware in order to do that. And here's what makes that possible. The next thing that I want to highlight, Daniel mentions this concept of covenant, right? In chapter four, or chapter nine, verse four, he says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. Who keeps covenant? Listen, if you've you got your notes from your app, I'm just going to read this to you because I want to be careful and make sure we hear this wisely. God has made an appeal to us and empowered us to be able to bring confession to him because we are aware of this covenant that exists between us. Right. And this is what I wrote in your notes if you get a copy of them. The great cause for avoiding confession is misunderstanding what motivates God toward us. The more we're convinced that our righteousness is the basis for God's actions, the more we'll hide our sin and seek to deny its existence. When we think that our relationship with God is being birthed out of or governed by our performance and contribution, we won't have the courage to face ourselves honestly. 
I won't want to know myself or my failures or my waywardness because I think it is my actions that control God's actions. So there's no way I can face me because my theology is upside down because I think who God is gonna be to me is based on me and I gotta win it. I gotta be good enough. I gotta perform well enough. And if I don't, I'm gonna lose God's favor in my life. And listen, that's out there. That's in us, right? Moms, dads as well. You ever have children who hide their grades, right? You notice they never hide the A's. And all of a sudden you get a report card and there's like three F's and you're like, "Ah, what? You know, they weren't like every day coming before you, hey, F, F, again, F. You know, they hide that because there's this sense that Your favor on my life is yoked to my grades, how I grade out. So I'm going to lose favor with you, so I'm going to hide what I'm really doing and how I'm really struggling. Uh, Daniel's not hiding anything, right? Daniel is aware that there is something else motivating God toward us. So we're free to say, God, can I just bring my resume? This is what we've done. This is what we've been like. This is why we did it. This is how out of bounds we are. And, and it's worse. Let me just give me a moment. I'll think about it in depth. And he does. But he's able to do that because he recognizes God is motivated toward him because he is a covenant-keeping God. God found reasons in himself to make a deal with us. And he married us. And when he did, he made promises, not based on what we would be, but based on who he is. Unchanging character of God is going to show up in my world, whether I got an A or an F. He will not change toward me. That's who this God is in the Bible. And this is what he picks up, right? You see that in verse chapter uh, 9, verse 4. Then all the way down in verse 17, got to get all the way down to verse 17 for him to stop confessing. In verse 17, he starts to say this. Listen to the covenant language that's here. He says, now, therefore, oh, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy for your own sake. Right? That's what somebody did when they made a covenant. They pledged their life to the other person and they put their name on the line that I will not break this agreement with you. And if I do, let me be killed like that animal was just killed in this arrangement. So my name's on the line here, and he appeals to that. It's pleased for, for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Right, this is, I don't need a great resume, God, because I'm not coming in the name of my own righteousness. And by the way, I don't have any. You've seen what we've been doing. We've got no basis to come to you except your promises and your mercy. Verse 19, oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not. For your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. This is marriage language, right? You married God and took on his name. And now what happens with you is associated with his name. So Daniel argues that back with God. You are covenant-keeping God. 
You will show up in our world. You will do things for us that has nothing to do with whether we deserve it or not. It's got everything to do with that you promised. And you put your name on the line. And we are your people. That city is yours. So God, act on our behalf. And do it quickly. This is what emboldens his prayer. This is what emboldens our prayer. This is what makes us come to God totally honest. Because we're aware of this covenant that exists between us. All right, when you listen carefully, in verse 4, you get a revelation that here's what God's bringing to this relationship, to this moment, to this return moment. Here's what God's bringing, and here's what we're bringing, right? Some pretty strong words, a collision of realities. Where, 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 church, is that coupling today? Where is that? For us to be able to stand in the moment and see the reality of human beings, ourselves, and the reality of who God is. In our, where is that? It's like we don't want to hear those things in the same sentence, but that's exactly what Daniel does. He puts them both in the same sentence. Dale Ralph Davis says, Deuteronomy 7 contains both components of Daniel's ascription. Yahweh is in your midst. Right? Yahweh is the personal name of God in the Old Testament. He's in your midst, a great and fearful God, And he is the one who keeps covenant and faithful love to those who love him and keep his commandments. This God then is both fearful and faithful. He is both great and good, both one who makes us tremble and one who keeps us secure. Oh, we would stop pulling God apart into pieces and say, I don't like that part of you, God, and I don't like that part of you either, but I like this part, so I'm going to cozy up to that. Listen, we don't get to do that. We get to be both terrified by God and made secure by him all at the same time. And so Daniel's got no problem here bringing the reality of his life into the presence of God. Now, let me just pick up a phrase here, because I don't know if you're an attorney, you caught this phrase, and I'm curious what you do with it. Verse 4, O Lord, The great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love uh, with those who love him and keep his commandments. So, key. Doesn't that say you got to do your part if God's going to show up and do his? Uh, Well, I'd say that definitely declares there's a people out there who have an orientation toward God that's meaningful. They they love God. But you understand, Daniel doesn't have that as the basis for him to appeal anything to God because he is among a people, just like Isaiah was. Lord, uh, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, right? We're already disqualified. We have already failed to love God and keep his commands. And if you read all the verses I spared of you reading, you'll be very clear. They have failed to love God and keep his commandments. So they don't qualify for God to do anything for them. So why would God do anything for them then? Because they don't seem to meet the qualifications. Well, because that verse isn't providing a qualification. Not to us, it's not. Right, and for the sake of time, let me just say this really quickly. When you go back into the Old Testament, go all the way back to Mount Sinai where God gives the law, pay attention to this exchange God has because most of us walk away the law. The law. God gave 10 commands. So you've got you to keep his commands. All right, God 
revealed what righteousness looked like. God revealed the life that he was calling us to live when we went into the land. We're going to live there in that land. We're going to live righteously. Here's what righteousness looks like. But at Mount Sinai, the law, the Ten Commandments, was not the only thing that was given. The centerpiece of what you find given at the Mount Sinai is in Leviticus chapter 16. It's called the Day of Atonement. And it's given at the same mountain. God gives a revelation of behavior. God gives a revelation that on the Day of Atonement, a day that's going to come every year for you guys, you're going to need to assemble yourselves in Jerusalem, and the high priest is going to take two goats. On one of them, he's going to slay that goat, and that goat, that innocent goat, is going to lose his life, and his blood is going to be shed and brought before God. And then all the faults and failures and all the ways that you failed to love God and not keep his commands, the high priest is going to represent you all and he's going to put his hands on that other goat called the scapegoat and confess all the ways that you don't qualify for God to be your God. And you're going to let, take that goat and you're going to separate him as far as you can from the people and let him loose in the wilderness to represent how God separates our sin from us. See, God's not teaching people that you need to keep my rules. You need to measure up, and then I'll show up and be God for you. Listen, and if you think that, you're not going to confess your sin. You're not going to stand honest before God. You, you need to be aware. God was aware. God was aware when he got involved with me, he was getting a bad deal. Uh, he was getting a guy who could go sideways, could lack motivation, uh, could do things for my own reasons. God made a covenant promise through his son to us to forgive in that day, to have mercy on us in that day, to not withdraw his favor in that day. That's the God you find in the Bible. So, so in this moment, right, let me bring us back to, to where we are in this moment with Daniel and, and with our own moment, right? Daniel is on the verge of returning. I, I, I trust that, that in some ways we are on the verge of returning. We have lived years in exile. And God is about to bring some things back. Well, we hadn't even been 70 days yet, uh, I don't think. These guys were 70 years, so apparently it takes a long time to see some things and for you to return. But, but, but question for us as we prepare to return. Have you, have you, have you grown at all in your self-awareness during this season? Because I believe God's got things for us to return to, and I think there's some things that God would prefer us not to return to. I think there's some ways that we have figured out how to do life that God says, that's, that's not the way I want you doing that. Uh, I don't want you to keep living that way. I don't want you to keep pursuing that. And God's trying to fix the things that are in us through this deportation that will one day return to something that looks normal. But, but have you been afraid to, to stare at that? To be aware that, that maybe God's gonna tell you that that's not okay for you to keep doing, that, that that's out of bounds? Or not, maybe that's even grievous. I mean, you read Daniel's words, they're tough. But there's a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God who has made an arrangement with his son on our behalf to never leave the posture of being our father who is for us, who forgives, 
who has mercy and grace, who restores, who welcomes the prodigal back when the prodigal finally comes to his senses and lavishes his grace upon them. So listen, maybe, maybe you've been in the worst place. Maybe COVID just came at a time where your walk with God was on a shelf and you've been distant from God. And God is using this moment to say, return, return to me. Please be aware the God that you are returning to is like that father who is running when he sees his son after all the awful things his son had done. He is the covenant-keeping father who runs because he cannot wait to lavish grace and mercy upon his life. Let me spread that into our moms who are in our midst and Mother's Day is a tough day. It's a tough day for you moms in a lot of ways. It's a tough day for us as pastors because we're interacting with mother's stories that, that are anywhere from great, awesome, beautiful, everybody loves them, to stories that could be full of regret, harm, broken relationships, things that aren't working right. I mean, this is, this is motherhood in a fallen world. And, and so maybe today for you, uh, the sins of others are going to touch your life, the, the forgetfulness, the overlooking, the lack of affection and appreciation from those that you have labored to love. And, and, and I pray today you can take something from here to say, God, give me eyes to see something more than where they are, that I can pray for them and intercede and believe for a day when they are in a better place because I believe in you, God. I believe that you can change that. But, but maybe you're a mom here who's you're trying to survive Mother's Day and it's a painful day because you're self-aware with no remedy. You're just aware that, that something you did, something you chose, a pattern you lived in brought pain into your children's lives and people that matter to you the most are now alienated and, and harmed and you live in the guilt of that. Can I, can I just encourage you to be incredibly courageous to transfer your hope to a God who, who loves you and relates to you not because you're a grade A mom or not, but because his son represented you and made a covenant with the father. And the father will never turn from the son, therefore he'll never turn from you. And he'll never lack grace in your life because he'll never lack that for his son. And he'll never lack favor in your life because he would never lack that for his own son. This is what Christ did on your behalf. And, and the courage for you to stand and say, yes, this has been my life, but I can come to God. I can come to him. Yes, yes, you can come to him. That's why Jesus came. And I hope, listen, if you're listening today and, you're a mom who just needs to come to Christ. Maybe you never have done that. This is what this God is like. This is why his son came. To not tell us, hey, don't worry about the bad things you've done and you're doing such a great job. We can be honest. We know we're troubled in our own souls. But we can come to a God who will totally forgive us and will welcome us and will insist that for the rest of eternity, he will do well by us. He will be gracious to us. He will lavish his kindness on us. Listen, this morning, turn to that God. Turn to him in prayer. Trust him. Give him your life. He will only do good with it from this day forward. And, and, and 
Listen, if you, if you want to contact us to find out, okay, how can I take further steps in walking with this God? Please get in touch with us. There's follow-up information available after this message. And if you're a child of God, let me just pray for you right now. Just bow your heart with me. Lord, thank you for these insights from Daniel in this moment of potential return. I pray for every person who's hearing this, who's in a place of potential return. And they're pondering what to do. God, I pray for each of us the ability to be honest with ourselves. Lord, not to be stroked artificially and to leave us with things in place in our lives that are not okay. God, give us the courage to, like the prodigal, come to our senses and realize what we've done. But then also give us the awareness, the covenant awareness that that prodigal son had, the covenant awareness that Daniel had, the covenant awareness that King David had. When he realized against you and you alone have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight, but he cried out, Lord, take not your presence from me. There was something about you, God, that he knew that he could appeal to. So God, would you help us to see your covenant mercy toward us through your son. Would you help us to run to you with all the F's that are on our report card and to know that you will look at that report card and you will go to work in our lives, but you will welcome us in grace and in mercy. This is what I want to own on the verge of return. God, whatever you have for us in the future, whatever you're moving us away from, whatever you'd like to be in the rearview mirror in our lives and whatever grand things you have for us, God, give us a heart to cry out for that in prayer, to stand as intercessors and to believe for that day, to believe that the God who made covenant with us will accomplish his good pleasure in our lives, no matter how many F's are on my report card. God, we have high hopes in you, And we look forward, Lord, to returning the things that you have for us that are for your glory and that are for our good. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Moms, happy Mother's Day. Hope today is extra special and you are rightly appreciated as you should be. Look forward to seeing hopefully many of you next week here. If not, we'll see you uh, in our live feed next week uh, in your homes. Love you. See you next week.